Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Jesus 911, two man car. My name is Jess Romero, Paul Clay. He'll be on any moment now. I hope you had a happy, holy, wonderful New Year's. I just did. And I hope you're also enjoying uh, this uh, this season of Christmas. As Catholics, boy, oh boy, do we got a lot to celebrate. I, I think about just the birth of Jesus Christ, the way the birth of Jesus Christ has split the world in half. And then you look at the uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It also gave the world this unspeakable hope that no other person has ever given planet Earth. Uh, today is a lot, lot, lot to talk about today, but I also want to mention that today is the feast of Saint Basil the Great and Saint Gregory Nazianzen, two fathers of the Church and two doctors of the Church that had so much to contribute to the theology of the Catholic faith. So let me share a little bit about these two fathers, and then we'll get right into today's topics. Both of these men were bishops from the east basil the great he helped and fed the poor he established a hospital for the sick he was truly one of the fathers of the church's social doctrine according to pope benedict the 16th and gregory nazianzen called the theologian loved contemplation theological contemplation he delivered majestic talks on the trinity both men developed and solidified the trinitarian formulations of the church in the face of the arian heresy and the church's theological reflections on the Trinity is unthinkable without these two great church fathers, St. Basil the Great and St. Gregory Nazianzen. Both of them died, one respectively 379, the other in 390 AD. Pray for us. Let the peoples recount the wisdom of these two great saints and let the church proclaim their praise. Their names will live for infinity. Here's a couple things I want to talk about today on the rundown with Paul Clay when he gets on. I want to talk about Pope Francis when he was Archbishop Bergoglio. Yeah, I would think so. He was, uh, yeah. he you celebrated, almost, you know what it's almost, he was celebrated by the Freemasons and it seems like he continues to advance their agenda. It's a really good article by my friend Elizabeth Yore, who was an attorney and a child, a child uh, rights advocate. She wrote a phenomenal piece on this. Also, we're going to talk about why people are ignoring the slow-motion jihad that seems to be raging inside France. And then finally, in the last segment, you definitely want to stay tuned. Me and Paul, me and, and Paul are going to give you Bible verses, verses from the Word of God that are going to bring you consolation during a time of suffering and even right at the point of death. Can you imagine what Bible verses should I have on my lips to, at the point of my death? Paul, welcome, bro. Happy New Year's, my friend. Yes, good to be here. So, uh, already introduced today's show, Paul. I want to talk about the first topic. It's written by a good friend of my name, Elizabeth Yore. She's an attorney, and she's a child. She's a child rights advocate, and uh, a very a very faithful Catholic. And she was called by Pope Francis to be part of this commission over in the Vatican to oversee, uh, you know, children's rights. And Elizabeth Yore. She says, and in this article, she basically red-pilled and she saw 
that there was many bad people in the Roman Curia when she was asked to be part of this board, this commission in the Vatican. And she said, I had to step down. And ever since then, she's been exposing some of the things that she saw. And we want to share them with you here because, again, it's uh, all these things. All it does is drive me to my knees and it makes me more prayerful. I don't know about you, but uh, whenever we share something bad or good, if it's good news, thank God for it. Get on your knees and thank God for it and praise God for it. And if it's not so good news, get on your knees and, and have and ask the Lord to have mercy on us. Paul, comments? Yeah. Uh, let's uh, strap in, Jess. 2024 is going to be uh, an interesting year, but yeah, uh, God has called us to remain faithful. We keep our eye on the prize, and uh, that's all we can do. That's right. So Elizabeth Yor talks about, she says, Archbishop Bergoglio's election was celebrated by the Freemasons, and he continues to advance their agenda. So she writes, in his brief address to the crowd filling St. Peter's Square that chilly evening, I remember I was watching it on television, uh, she writes, Archbishop Mario Bergoglio mentioned the Freemason tenet of brotherhood twice in his speech, in his opening address. He never uttered the term Catholic. She writes, so the following article is a part one of a series of blog posts adapted by a talk that was given by attorney Elizabeth Yore uh, on December 9th at a conference uh, that was hosted by Dr. Ed Mazza. So we continue. Her, the introduction to her talk, Elizabeth Yore, she says this. Dialogue dominates the decade of Archbishop Bergoglio. Dialogue litters the language of Archbishop Bergoglio's apostolic exhortations and, and encyclicals, dialogue was a justification for the deadly Chinese Communist Party secret deal. Dialogue was, was a justification for the Abu Dhabi Declaration. Dialogue is a hollowed commandment to Freemasonry. Dialogue is the crux of Archbishop Bergoglio. Dialogue is now a laughable punchline for the Synod on Sin. But it's not humorous. It's deadly serious. Dialogue animates the grave question: Is the Pope Catholic? This is one of her. This is a talk that she gave at uh, at a conference put out by Ed, Dr. Ed Mazza. She says, "Now a sobering analysis of a decade of disasters." Paul, you want to pick it up from there? Yeah, Jess. I just have one comment on that. Yeah, there's one dialogue that's left out: Jesus Christ and His Holy Gospel. Well, that repentance, repentance. Well, yeah, but here's one. There was a dialogue that took place between Eve and the devil. Mm. See, the devil likes the dialogue. <laughs> and yeah, uh, and take you down uh, rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah. So we have to be careful when it comes to dialogue and who we're dialoguing with. Like you said, um, when we're talking about dialoguing with the world, well, we know what sacred scripture tells us that our, our enemies are the world. There's a worldview out there. We know that Freemasonry is a declared enemy of the Catholic Church. Yes. So that's that's the dialogue that I that comes to mind when you go through that litany of dialogues. Yeah, Paul, you know what also reminds me uh Father Chad Ripper, he calls the dialogue between Satan and Eve. He calls uh, the devil, the talking snake. And all of us, 
we have to watch it because there are family and friends out there that can be talking snakes. In other words, uh, they're unconverted souls and the devil can use them to give you some uh, bad information, a bad message, something that's, uh, you know, something that's going to uh, move you into a life of sin and vice. So you have to even watch the company you keep because not all communication, even from human to human, is enlightening or, or illuminating or uplifting or inspirational or godly. Sometimes some of the conversations are ungodly, and I would call those friends the talking snake, as Father Ripperger calls them. Yeah, and I happen to agree with Father Ripperger. <laughs> okay, let's start it out. I met Hor- uh, uh, Jorge Bergoglio in early November 2013, a mere six months after his election. I was eager to attend the first pontifical human trafficking conference held inside the Vatican. It was sponsored by the Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences. As a child advocate attorney, I expected to hear profoundly Catholic solution. Ah, I don't hear Paul. He got nope. cut off. So I'll just pick it up from where he's. She says, this is Liz, your rights as a child. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh Okay. Um, Can you guys hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Yep. Okay. But there's no mention of evil as the existential cause of this predatory criminal enterprise. Instead, the Vatican was promoting a modern globalist globalist uh, revolution. It was hell-bent on secular solutions such as global minimum wage as the solution to the evil of human slavery and sexual exploitation. Wow. You want to talk about missing the mark, Jess. <laughs> In attendance were leftist bureaucrats from the Obama administration, radical UN operatives, and globalist activists from NGOs. I observed Bergoglio closely and was deeply disturbed by his overtly political demeanor. The entire conference left me shaken. My soul was rattled by this very uncatholic experience in the very heart of the Vatican and in the prolonged presence of Francis. Mm. The Holy See suddenly seemed like enemy territory. I felt a sense of dread and was left with the profound impression that an uncatholic agenda was underway in this pontificate. A colleague, I mean, excuse me. Yeah. yeah, a colleague, colleague turned to me halfway through the conference and asked, are we the only pro-lifers here? This chilling question summed up the conference and a pattern would soon emerge as Bergoglio praised Emma bon- Bonino, Italy's foremost pro-abortionist, a woman who bragged that she and her group had aborted over 10,000 babies. As one of Italy's greats. Stop right there. Heartbreak. We'll be right back. Jesus 911. Wow. Freemasonry inside the church. Nah, come on. You got to be kidding me. Nope. Got to speak the truth in charity. And we've got to put the spotlight of truth on the problem. We'll be right back. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151. 
St. Basil the Great, uh, St. Gregor Nazianzen, pray for us. We're talking mm-hmm. about Liz Yor. She's an attorney, a very faithful Catholic woman. She's been part of uh, you know, human rights and, and advocating for children for decades as an attorney. She was invited to be part of a committee in the Vatican on human trafficking and on, and on child protection. But she said some of the players that were there shocked her. She was surprised. She felt like she was one of the only pro-life persons there that was there at the conference. And she was invited by the Vatican. She was invited by, the, by some of the people in the Roman Curia. So she was a, uh, she's a notable person. But she writes about her experience there. And it's, uh, it's uh, jaw-dropping, Paul, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, Jess. Uh, like you said before, uh, like Father Chad said, you don't dialogue with a snake. Hmm. That's that's all I'll say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. As yeah. as the serpent, yeah, as the serpent beguiled Eve, uh, we're warned about this this type of stuff in sacred scripture. So her, I like to call it her spidey senses <laughs> and Spider Man. Yeah, they yeah. were tingling. Yeah. She knew something was awry, and uh, yeah, she yeah. was right. Yeah. Or as okay. Saint, or as Saint Ignatius of Loyola say, she was her. She had what's called discernment of spirits. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this chilling question summed up the conference, and a pattern would soon emerge as Bergoglio praised Emma Bonino, Italy's foremost. Okay, we 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 said that. Yep. The the scandalous habit of elevating and publicly praising bitter enemies of life, including virulent detractors of the Catholic faith, became a troubling hallmark of the Bergoglio regime. 18 months later, in April 2015, I returned to the Vatican with a delegation of the world's most prestigious climate scientists. They, they included scholars and researchers from MIT, climatologists, NASA scientists, and other scientists. These prominent experts were frankly shocked by the clear bias and dubious qualifications of the scientists advising Bergoglio on his upcoming encyclical Laudato Si. They urgently sought an audience, a dialogue with Bergoglio for a serious discussion. Our delegation naively hoped that the Pope of the dialogue was interested in dialoguing on the complex issue of climate. Yeah, because there's two sides to every story. Mm-hmm. These seemed and highly these these esteemed and highly credentialed experts, some of whom were Catholic, were stunned that Bergoglio was relying on radical population control advocates, neo Malthusians, to advise him on the his advi- his environmental encyclical. Needless to say, the Pope of Dialogue was not at all interested in dialoguing with the other side of this very complex scientific issue, and Vatican officials expelled these esteemed scientists from the press conference at the Pontifical Academy of Social Science- Sciences. Jess, wow. Jess, the, the good guys were thrown out. The good yes. guys were thrown out. <laughs> it reminds me when Cardinal Burke went over uh, to the Vatican and they wouldn't let him in. Because he didn't get, because he didn't, he didn't have the, uh, the, uh, the jab. proper, the jab. There you yeah. go. The proper medical, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The proper medical clearance. But this That's stuff right. is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this stuff is alarming, Jess. Um, because you and I both know 
that these climate control gurus, this is a mechanism to bring the world under control. Under communist That's all control. It is. Under communist control. Exactly. Exactly. This is all gravitating toward that uh, famous big bro- one world big brother, government. Yeah. Big brother government. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Let me go ahead. Pick, just it up. pick it up. Needless to say, the Pope of Dialogue was not at all interested in dialoguing with the other side of this very complex scientific issue, and Vatican officials expelled these. Okay, you already said that. Authentic dialogue with Bergoglio, writes uh, Lizior, had been tested and found wanting. For him, dialogue is a one-way street that leads to a dead end. Lizior writes, To my horror, I saw climate change emerge as the new religion of the global elites and their papal patron. It is now enshrined in the Bergolian, in the Bergolian scripture of Laudato Si and Laudato Deum, completely with newly minted environmental sins. So that's a new category of sins in the Catholic Church, according to Pope Francis. They're called environmental sins, maybe like spitting your gum out of the window or, you know, urinating in an alley or something. She writes, or leaving too big of a, or, or leaving too big of a carbon footprint. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You're right. It's it's some families that have too many babies. Uh, Yeah. Hmm. I cannot remain silent while the beauty and truth of the Catholic faith, the faith of my ancestors suffered daily assault by the Argentinian in the chair of Peter. She writes, I saw firsthand that the self-proclaimed Pope of dialogue and mercy is a contrived artifice, a manipulation disguising a radical political ideology to permanently modernize Catholic doctrine, liturgy, and praxis. Mm. So, on March 13, 2013, the prelate from Buenos Aires, Argentinus, stood before the crowd without papal mozetta, without red shoes, without gold, pap- without gold papal pectoral cross. There suddenly appeared on his left the smug Belgian, Belgium senior prelate, Cardinal Gottfried Daniels, hmm. who the, the notorious modernist, the scheming predator, cover-up artist, the mastermind and self-appointed mafia don of the St. Gallen Mafia, Cardinal Daniels stood motionless. And by the way, I want to say that he was sidelined uh, by the, the last two popes, but uh, Pope Francis brought him, brought him out from obscurity and back into the playing field. She writes, yeah, he was a sent... Yeah. He was a sentinel from St. Gallen, confident that Jorge Bergoglio would undertake the cunning, secret, decades-old plot to remove Catholicism from the face of the earth and install a modernist agenda, a new world religion. The church would be renamed, in the words of the St. Gallen godfather, Cardinal Martini, a synodal church. Hmm. In, his, in his first brief address to the crowd, filling St. Peter's Square that chilling evening, writes Liz Yor, Bergoglio mentioned the Freemason tenet of brotherhood twice. He never uttered the word Catholic, a term which would gradually be excised from his vocabulary, his speeches, and his globalist project of a synodal church and a one-world religion. Bergoglio curated his humble and merciful persona with a carefully orchestrated media campaign and curiously he was cheered on by the Freemason leadership within hours of his appearance on the loggia. That's the balcony. Paul, you want to pick it up from there? This gets good right here. Yes, yes, yes. Grandmaster Gustavo 
Raffi of the of the Grand Orient Masonic Lodge of Italy lavishly praised Pope Francis's election and wrote, quoting, the simple cross that he wore on his white robe gives us hope that a church of the people may find again the ability to dialogue. There's that word again, Jess, with all men of goodwill and with Freemasonry, which as the Latin America, as the Latin America expresses experience teaches works for the common good and progress of humanity. Hmm. Just this is all about the cult of man and trying to, as Freemasonry is all about this fraternal, this fraternity, but it's, it's all about uniting under Adam, the first Adam. Yes. Paul, it's funny, but you saw all this even as a Protestant, because I remember you, when you were coming back into the church and, uh, you know, you'd been in Protestantism for at least, at least two decades. You told me that that you saw the fingerprints, the evil fingerprints of Freemasonry, where a lot of other Protestants, to them, it was not a big thing. It was kind of like something that Protestants, Protestant men join. But you saw something nefarious even very early on, probably because of your Catholic sensibilities. Yeah, Um Again, what does Satan do, Jess? He he disguises himself as even an angel of light. And so when you see the Shriners and Shriners Hospital and you see all of these men of goodwill, it it, it seems good. It seems yeah. right, Jess. At but least what outward appearance. Scripture... Outward yeah. Appearance. But what is yeah, what but what does sacred scripture say? There's a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. You see, Jess. And that's the Freemasons. Yeah. That that describes the Freemasons. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yep. it does. Um, Pick it up. Uh, Jess, I get, yeah. Uh, Grandmaster so, Raffi. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Grandmaster Raffi confidently offered his disquieting prediction of the Bergoglio papacy. A man of the poor and far from the curia, fraternity and dialogue are his first concrete words. Perhaps nothing in the church will be as it was before. Wow, what an ominous thing to say from an enemy of the church, Jess. Mm, mm. Go ahead. Uh, perhaps, perhaps nothing in the church will be as it was before. Thus, the Pope of Dialogue was christened by none other than a leader of the Freemasons. Over 60 Freemason global leaders from Canada to Peru from Lebanon to Argentina, also celebrated the selection of the Argentine Bergoglio. Pope Leo XIII warned that Freemasonry is based on naturalism. Naturalism asserts that human nature and human reason are supreme and that there are no truths revealed by God that men are bound to believe. Wow. It is anti-Christian in this in its essence. One of the most powerful weapons of Freemasons against the Catholic Church is their promotion of religious indifferentism. Bingo. The idea that, yeah, the idea that it really does not matter to which religion one belongs. Jess, we always say it. Can't we all just get along? It's the Rodney King theology. <laughs> um, yeah, this undermines Catholicism since only the Catholic Church, and I'm going to say it again, since only the Catholic Church firmly teaches that it is the one true religion established by God. 
Today, Rafi's words echo loudly. Perhaps nothing in the church will be as it was before. Mm. I'll tell you, Paul, this doesn't surprise me because we were, we've been warned by great saints about this. I'll give you two. The greatest saint in the economy of the communion of saints, the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, Our Lady of Good Success back in the 17th century, even before Freemasonry started in 1717, something like 75 to 80 years before Freemasonry was even started in Europe, yes. uh, Our Lady of Good Success warned a Catholic nun, Sister Mariana from Quito, Ecuador, that uh, the Freemasons would be the enemy of the Catholic Church. She, she, she mentioned them by name 75 years before they were even started. Mm. Yeah. Yes. All right. And we two man card, Jesus 911. Up next, we're going to be talking about next on the rundown why are people ignoring the slow motion jihad that rages inside France? We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, Dial 888-526-2151. Two-man car, Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. Happy Holy New Year. Hope you had a happy, holy, blessed uh, Christmas and Christmas season. And today is uh, the feast day of St. Basil the Great and St. Gregory Nazianzen, two fathers and doctors of the Church of the East. Pray for us. Uh, and also, the month of, the month of uh, January is that as Catholics, we always have, some, that's, what, that's what's beautiful about the Catholic faith. There's, there's always something that we celebrate. The month of January in Catholicism is dedicated to the holy name of Jesus. Get that, the holy name of Jesus. Uh, and so find any excuse throughout the day to say the name of Jesus with faith, hope, and love. And just let the name of Jesus just come out of your mouth like, 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 honey on your lips just kind of like yes yeah just like honey on your lips like like a melody at midnight or like like a sweet song in the storm of life or or like that yes. constant hymn in your heart find any reason to say the name of jesus throughout the day with faith hope and love Hey, Jess, I'm going to be resurrecting the Holy Name Society at my church. Oh, good job, brother. Yeah, we need that in every parish, brother. Good job. Amen. Coming yeah. back old school. Old school. <laughs> hey, uh, Paul, uh, why are people ignoring the slow motion jihad that rages inside France? Want to talk about that. While yes. peace seems yes. to reign, many countries are threatened by what might be called slow motion wars. And these conflicts involve a gradual destruction of society, structures, and security inside a climate of uneasy peace. The devastation of war occurs not, not at once, but over time. An example of one slow-motion war is the ongoing jihad inside France. And by the way, jihad means holy war in Islam. Indeed, mm -hmm. there's no formal declaration of war and even the appearance of normality on many city streets. However, violent Islamic sectors inside France engage in acts of daily violence that resemble a warlike situation. The French society suffers as of, as of a war, or in this case, a jihad, were formally declared. 
The Gatestone Institute reports that there is a jihad on Catholic churches in France today. The evidence is overwhelming. Through the length and breadth of France, destroyed, vandalized, burned, and damaged churches abound. And by the way, France is called the daughter of Catholicism, like the second Catholic country. Priests and faithful are threatened by aggression. A map published by a website called christianphobic.fr is covered with red pins marking points of violence that spare no region or city in the daughter of Catholicism, France. And the report claims that an average of, get this, of two attacks on Catholic churches a day are the norm in France. Many of these buildings are ancient and historical landmarks. And the culprits, in most cases, are not brought to justice. Surprise, surprise. In many scenes, Mm -hmm. anti-Jesus and pro-Mohammed graffiti on nearby walls leaves no doubt as to the influence of Islam. Shouts of Allah Akbar also ring out near the sites. Here's my Mm. comment, Paul. The French government is, the, the French woke government is petrified of Islam because mm-hmm. they know deep down that they're a religion of violence. And so mm-hmm. uh, if you don't believe that Islam's a religion of violence, go to m- one of my friend's websites. It's called jihadwatch.com. He's probably one of the greatest uh, theolo- uh, uh, apologists against Islam. Jihadwatch.com. And he documents all the Islamic violence every single day since 9-11. Paul, you want to pick it up mm. from there? Yes. According to journalist Sanja Dalman's, most targets are Catholic churches. She notes that crucifixes, organs, altars, and other religious symbols are regularly destroyed or stolen. Statues of saints also suffer. In a church in in Angers, yeah, in, in Angers, seven statues were beheaded or amputated in April this year. Stained glass windows of old churches are also regularly smashed by vandals. These vandals also target graveyards, especially the crosses atop gravestones that are often destroyed or stolen. The map of incidents also records interruption of services by gangs and youth. Several priests have been severely beaten. Most of these incidents go unreported or little noted as if they were part of the daily way of life in postmodern France. Tragically, France, known as the firstborn daughter of the church for her zeal for the faith, no longer reacts to these insults as sacrilegious. Let me mention France one thing, at, Paul. Let me mention one yeah. thing that a lot of people forgot about. Uh, yeah. In 2016, I remember this case quite well. There was a, a Catholic priest celebrating daily mass father jacques hamel uh over in uh in in duvray france during daily mass a knife wielding islamic attacker interrupted the mass came in forced the priest to his knees and slit his throat in front of everybody at daily mass this was a murder that was that was one of the most shocking things that's ever happened in the Catholic church. Uh, And, and the attacker as he was slitting the priest's throats during daily mass was yelling, 
Allah Ahu Akbar, which means God is great. Now, fortunately, the police arrived. They got there. They shot and killed the suspect. But uh, again, this was an 85-year-old retired priest, Father Jacques Hamel, who was leading prayers. They forced him on his knees. He tried to defend himself, but at 85, yeah. there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And the yeah. attackers slayed him. And, and by the way, they also filmed themselves. They filmed yeah. themselves. Okay. Yeah. It, it was like a sermon in Arabic around the altar. Uh, God have mercy on Father Jacques Hamel. Have mercy on his soul. Yeah, Jess. So not to mention the perpetrator is hailed as a martyr, someone who was martyred, a martyr for Allah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you you're right. Make this stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this inverted because... way of thinking, this diabolical way of thinking. You kill somebody and you're a, you're a martyr? No, you kill yeah. somebody, you're a murderer. Violation of the yes. fifth commandment. You go to hell. Yes. You're an unrepentant yeah. murderer. You're going to hell. You're no. You're not a martyr. You're not a hero. You're not a yes. champion. Yes. yes. You're one of yes. Satan's sons. Well, they have been beguiled. They have been yeah. deceived, and and it's unfortunate, Jess. But our church, the one true church, has been lulled to sleep. Why? Because we have a group of leaders who are now basically more interested in global warming in in the things of this world climate change than what's going on right here this these sacrileges that are being committed can you imagine how disheartened the people of France are when they, mm. this is their daily experience Jess mm. and now here in the United States we have uh, a party in power that wants to bring over all these refugees from the Gaza Strip. Just let them all in. Let them all in. Listen. From Arab nations, Paul. Arab nations that are, yeah, most of these yeah. people have this. They, they have yeah. this uh, jihadist yeah. streak in, in their in yeah. their soul. Yeah. Here's something else and interesting, I'm, I'm, Paul. Yeah. Uh, well, something. I'm tired of hearing about the Crusades and how the church was so violent the yes. crusades were justified this were these were wars that needed to happen or or christendom would have been uh it would have been decimated entirely we would not be having a catholic christian podcast you and me would be having a secular humanist dialogue or an islamic dialogue if it wasn't for the for the crusades there would be no christianity left god bless those brave men yes yes brother good that's exactly my point um <laughs> A just war is something of another kind. But these guys uh, and, and the things that they're doing today are, uh, it's just, well, I hate to say it, but. It's murder. It was, yeah, it was Islam that, that had its murderous, tir uh, they had their tirade back in the Middle Ages. And now, once again, it's raising its head again. And right now, the church, there is nobody to stand up and uh, and really speak the truth. Um, at least all we're hearing is, at least not from the chair of Peter. <laughs> well, that's what I'm yep. talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Pick it up from there, Paul. <laughs> Go ahead. Pick it up from there. Oh, France is at war, a slow motion war that's gradually destroying what is left of the once Christian nation. What makes matters worse is that is that it is the one sided war where the Christian side is hampered by those who refuse to recognize the destruction or blame the perpetrators. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would call the woke liberal French government is in complete denial. And so is 
the woke Catholic Church in many instances. But here's something interesting, Paul. You'll like this. You know what the fastest growing uh, wing of Catholicism in France is right now? It's growing. It's growing like like weeds. It's the Let traditional. <laughs> <laughs> the traditional Catholic movement is the only thing basically growing in France right now. I've, I've got some very yeah. good uh, articles uh, documenting that. Church officials who administer the damaged buildings call for dialogue. There we go. Dialogue. Other mm-hmm. war deniers, such as city officials, call for understanding and engagement with the enemy. They blame the victims for the violence because of their systemic colonialism or racism. Pick it up from there. Yeah, it just wasn't it the uh, Archdiocese of Los Angeles that's rather than come out and support uh, uh, the the protest that you that you were involved in against the uh uh, the, Drag queens, the so-called sister, yeah, yeah, yeah. sisters the, of this, perpetual the indulgence. No, the sister of perpetual. Yeah, I think their official statement was, "We choose to dialogue." Wasn't that this? Oh, wasn't that what they said, Jess? I think you're right, Paul. Yeah, I, I know I'm right. Yeah. I know I'm right. Yeah, yeah. So there's that word again. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, go ahead. These, these incidents, incidents. These incidents are not limited to France. They we'll also stop right there. We'll pick great... it up. We'll pick it up on the last segment. We're also going to end with some uh, some incredible inspirational thoughts from God's word to send you off to kick off 2024. Stick around. We'll be right back. We'll wrap this topic up and we want to talk about uh, the glory of following Jesus Christ. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Welcome back to Jesus 911. I'm Paul Clay. I'm here with Jess Romero. And we're just uh, continuing to read through an article. We were talking earlier and I said, Jess, we need to make t-shirts up. And our T-shirts need to say, yeah, don't dialogue with a snake. <laughs> Jess, we don't need dialogue. You know what we need, Jess? We need to proclaim. There you go. That's what we're, that's what we're called to do from the, from the rooftops. That's what the we Bible proclaim. says. Yeah. yeah. King Jesus. That's what right. we need to proclaim instead yeah. of dialogue. I'm yeah. tired of dialogue. And there's, okay. and, there, and there is, yeah, go ahead, Paul. Yeah. Take it away. Yeah. These incidents are not limited to France. They also occur with great frequency in Spain, Germany, the United Kingdom, and Sweden, with large Muslim populations. The West generally treats these attacks with astonishing indifference and even woke indignation. The postmodern narratives of the oppressed Muslim people living in Europe almost seem to justify the anger of those who target the church. Progressive church officials can always be counted upon to minimize the damage to their own buildings and reach out to these marginalized people. It reminds me of when the, when when uh, Pope Francis was apologizing in Canada for the so-called sins of the church, Jess. Uh, we don't need to go on any apology tours for Christ, uh, for Christianity. Yes, if Christian if there were individuals that committed atrocities of course those things are wrong but hypocrisy never nullifies truth that's right i'll say it again hypocrisy never nullifies truth back to the article 
However, the result of these attacks is like that of a war. It is a slow motion war that day in and day out, destroying centuries of French heritage and history, it is no less real than if a Muslim power were to declare war, invade the country and, and destroy churches and all signs of Christianity. It is a religious war upon Christianity, and Christians will lose this war if they do not wake up. The main enemy is not the terrorist destroyers, but those who facilitate the destruction by taking a suicidal course of aiding the enemy through their fake narratives and deprive Christians <laughs> of a means of self-defense. Just listen. So we think it's a little thing when, when the church... We, as you know, Jess, we live in what's called a post. We live in a Christendom is being dismantled. Yeah. The, the world as we know it, as it rose to greatness, was created by the Holy Roman Catholic Church. Yep. You had kings, yep. queens that all modeled and were they were they were they were subject and under the authority of the true King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Amen. And the minute this myth of separation of church and state occurred this decoupling uh, uh and and i say it occurred because even in other countries what did they do they got rid of the monarchies and they went to these democratic type governments so so no longer was god then working together uh the church working together with secular governments to help man to achieve his end and this is what you get Amen. Perse Paul, I'm gonna, persecution of the one true God. That's right. I'm going to be blunt, Paul. Look at, we believe as Catholic Christians, we believe in reclaiming the world for Christ and his church. Yeah. Now, these medieval knights, they took that responsibility seriously. They wore the cross on their capes and tunics. They prayed all night. They, they had this, they had an incarnational view of the world. They knew that that uh, sometimes you had to, you know, uh, do, do the corporal works of mercy. And so these knights, these crusaders, they fought a defensive war of the church. A and, uh, you know, if, if it wasn't for them, uh, we wouldn't have a Catholic church today. And what they did, this volunteer army called the Holy League of Catholic Men in the Middle Ages, they repelled Islamic aggression and they kept Western Europe free or Europe would have completely fallen to Islam today. I mean, it's falling piecemeal. So the Crusades were a call from the church from Pope Urban I to take back the lands that were overrun by Islam invaders uh, that they had stolen from us and to free those Christians that were living under Islamic uh, oppression as well. And for Pope Urban I... That first crusade in 1095 was a long overdue defensive action as a result of, you know, years and years of Islamic attacks and oppression. And so uh, people don't realize that these the militant Islamic forces in about 200 years after they started, they start in in, in uh, the sixth in the seventh century. Within 200 years, they had taken over two-thirds of the ancient Christian world, all the Mediterranean world, all the seven churches of the book of Revelation, all of them were Catholic churches. They had been forcibly converted to Islam by the end of the 11th century, and finally Pope Urban I said, no more. Yeah. 
Paul, are you there? Yeah, Jess, I'll say I'll say it again. You don't dialogue with the snake. Yeah, amen. Hey, I want to move on to uh, some more more inspirational things that keep me inspired. You know, when whenever there's things that are going on in my life or or around me that uh, I'm not in control of, I try to get micro and I try to just uh, remember what I can do. And I try to remember the promises of God that really inspire me. Here's a couple of promises from sacred scripture that really, uh, I mean, it's like a shot in the arm. It's like, it's like Popeye eating a can of spinach. These are, so if you want to know my Jesse Romero's, my spiritual spinach, what I take and what I read and meditate on and reflect on over and over whenever I want to get picked up, here's one. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, the Bible says, What will separate us from the love of Christ? Will anguish or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? No. In all these things, we conquer overwhelmingly through Him who loved us. Remember, the resurrection is a game changer. That changed everything everything and because christ rose from the dead and demonstrated his power over death all these promises and sacred scripture that are made by him and the apostles guess what you can take that to the bank paul yes yes jess and and yes be encouraged because all of these things that god is allowing god is allowing these things in order to give us an opportunity to live our faith this is all designed by God to bring us to a maturity, to make us emulate Jesus Christ, the suffering servant. So suffering is not something that is foreign to us as Catholics. As a matter of fact, Jesus told us, expect it. Do not marvel if they hate you. For the world hated me before it hated you. You're going to get the same. He sends us out as sheep led to the slaughter. But remember... This is God's judo, where he, uh, yes. what what appears to be a victory for the enemy yes. is actually, uh, as the crucifixion was, that was the death blow. And that's what we can rejoice in. We don't have to fall just to the same standards and use the same tactics that are that the enemies of God use. No, we simply love God. We preach the truth in love. Adam, Adam and Satan in the first garden, that was the first match. Uh, Satan was one and oh. The rematch was Calvary. The second Adam Amen. defeated Satan in the rematch on Calvary, and it's been a complete wipeout ever since. The Bible says in Romans 14, verse 8, for we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So then whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. Think about that. Everything belongs to Jesus. My whole life and my the next life, everything I am, everything I ever will be belongs to Jesus Christ. And, and I want to also mention, um, here are three, some people wonder, what are the last things that I should try to say, you know, when I'm dying or recall to my mind? Let me give you three things from, from sacred scripture of, of what people said before they died and it's just something that, who knows, maybe you may want to write them down and say, wow, these would be good words to utter before I die. Psalm 31, verse 5, this is what Jesus said on the cross. He said, into your hands, Lord, I commend my spirit. 
Psalm 31, verse 5, into your hands, Lord, I commend my spirit. Not a bad prayer to say when you're in a hospital bed and you're slipping into death. Remember, um, that that verse is the, the verse that Jesus Christ said on the cross. And that verse is also taught to every Jewish boy by their father when they're young. And that's the nighttime prayer for the Jews. In fact, that's the last prayer a Jewish boy, a Jewish father, the family prays before they go to bed. Psalm 31, verse 5. Here's another one. Uh, this was said by St. Dismas on the cross, the thief on the right. Luke 23, 42. Luke 23, 42. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Luke 23, 42. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Those are some good words to have on your lips before your dying. Now, here's one more. St. Stephen the martyr, Acts chapter 7, verse 59. Before he was dying, what did he say? He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So, when your soul is leaving your body, Catholics, here are three good prayers to have on your lips, or at least on your mind. Psalm 31, verse 5, our Lord Jesus says, Into your hands, Lord, I commend my spirit. St. Dismas says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. St. Stephen says, Lord, receive my spirit. And also, let me give you some good news. I think you're going to like this. Death, that has an ominous, it, it sounds ominous in English. Death, death. Well, guess how you pronounce death in Aramaic? It's pronounced moot, M-U-H-T. In Aramaic, in the language of Jesus Christ, death is pronounced moot. In Aramaic, moot or death it means to be present elsewhere and not here any longer. Mm. So in Aramaic, death means to be present elsewhere and not here any longer. I hope and pray that all of you listening to this program, that the moment you die, that you will be present elsewhere in the hands of God because you will, you will no longer be here. Remember, when we all die, you change your P.O. box immediately. Paul, comments? Yeah, just listen. Run the race. Keep your eye on the prize. That's all we need to do is, as faithful Christians. Keep your eye on the prize. And that prize is not, nothing less than our, our Lady and our Lord. Amen. Well, that's a wrap. Jesus 911, two-man car. Happy Holy New Year's 2024. Let's storm to 2024 for Jesus Christ. And uh, go, on, go on a crusade of winning souls. See you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith.